0: Back for another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast, the podcast that talks about all things radio control flight. We're talking planes, helis, drones, and anything in between. My name is Andrew Sill, I'm the host of this podcast. Well, this week we have a bumper guest. There is no name bigger in the aerobatics side of a model flight than Jace the Ace Ducia. And my good friend Jace is joining us later on in this episode. And he's a guy that I've wanted to have on for a long time, uh, but I thought I'd practice a few episodes before I got to, to the big gun himself. So he's an awesome bloke. So we'll get to have a good chat with him a bit later on. But before we get to that, let's take a look at what's been happening around the traps. down in my neck of the woods here in Melbourne, Australia, uh, we have just been told by the local government that we have another six weeks of lockdown. The coronavirus is spreading a bit down here, and so they're trying to get on top of it. So more depressing news. Another six weeks of not being able to go flying. Everything will be shut now. Some clubs were open because they sort of met certain guidelines, but now... The new restriction is we're not allowed to exercise more than five kilometers away from home. You can't leave, there's curfews. We can't be out of the house after 8 p.m. Uh, and between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m., not allowed to be out. Uh, it's fresh off, off the press uh, as I record this, so more details will come. But what I can tell is that no flying activities. Basically, any exercise, which flying's categorized a sports, or any exercise that's located uh, five kilometers Outside, away from your house is not allowed. Basically, tennis clubs, golf clubs, all sorts of clubs will now be shutting down for the next six weeks, which is devastating news because we're already about, I think, three weeks into a current lockdown. And so, oh God, I've built another model. Last weekend, I just finished another another model, a multiplex extra 330SC indoor plane, um, which I'm hoping to fly outdoor, actually, up at my holiday house even the, when the weather's calm in a small space. So that's being done. I got my DLG, couple of repairs. I haven't even flown the damn thing and I'm already repairing it after hanger damage. Courtesy of my wife. She doesn't listen to this, so she bumped it and she broke something on it. So anyway, I fixed it. Uh, so that's ready to go. Now, news-wise, interesting. I've got a, I've got a good interview coming up uh, with a big industry player and uh, the buzz around the traps in the industry is just supply chain issues. So, uh, demand for hobby product has gone through the roof but getting product is a problem and so a lot of suppliers are sort of getting in those orders to just to fulfill back orders so um it's been a boom time for the industry really now as far as new products goes there hasn't been much but i've i've been keeping an eye on on facebook actually it's my go-to to get a lot of news and having a look at uh what jace our guest is up to and he's at an event and flying a couple of New planes at Extreme Flight are launching. It looks like a, a bigger MXS around that 60cc size is coming in a green, white, and blue scheme. I think it's an MXS. It looks like an MXS. It looks beautiful. Absolutely looks beautiful. Um, and uh, a slick, an 85 inch slick, I think may be coming as well. So a couple of new models in the wings. It's funny with a lot of these Extreme Flight planes, they don't stick to scale like, you know, they're not the most scale aircraft. They actually look very similar. There's a couple of little details that are different between the the different models, but like if you compare the Slick and the uh, and the MXS, they pretty much look the same. The cow's a little bit different from what I can tell, but besides that, I'm not noticing much of a difference. But anyway, Extreme Flight make amazing aircraft, and so it's going to be interesting to see where that all goes. You know what what, what these new models are. So they haven't really announced them. There's nothing official, but. I can see that Extreme Flight are coming up with some new things. Besides that, there's not much movement. We're not seeing many new products come out from some of the the mainstays. I think this whole Corona thing, it, it, we're still we're still got this backlog as a result of the shutdown of China and the manufacturing. We're still trying, trying to play catch up because we've had the that terrible storm where we couldn't get supply uh, from um, manufacturers. People get shut down, they start buying model aircraft to keep themselves occupied whilst they're shut down. And uh nothing's coming, nothing's coming through. So anyway, we're just gonna all sit tight and wait for 2020 to be over and a damn vaccine to hurry up and then we'll be okay. So not much to not much to mention. The Shepherd and Mammoth Scale flying event has been cancelled. I doubt we'll see any decent events happening, especially down in the southern states or down here in Victoria. In Australia for a while, any, any major championships or anything like that now become too hard to, to run. So we'll just have to wait till next year. But um, one good thing to do is get out on the simulator. A bit of plenty of sim, sim practice. And, and my flying is actually improving, I can tell. I'm getting a bit more intuitive with certain things, learning a few new aerobatic maneuvers and things like that. So I'll tell you what, once I can go flying, I've got an FPV drone to Maiden, this multiplex extra. And uh, the DLG, I've got a remade Sebart Mythos pattern plane. Uh, my bigger 100ccs, I just went through all them to double check that they're okay, and they're all okay, so they're ready to go. Basically, I've got everything flyable. I'm even thinking now another six weeks. I've got some old old gliders that I'm going to try to refurbish. So see, there's always something to keep us occupied in this wonderful hobby. <laughs> To our special guest, Jace the Ace Ducia. Now, if you don't know who he is, then you've been living under a rock because he is what I consider to probably be the best aerobatic, freestyle aerobatic pilot going around. And I know it's a big claim, but I've seen the guy fly live. I was in China with him a couple of years ago at an event where I was judging and uh, got to hang out with him a little bit. And he's just an awesome bloke. His whole family is just awesome people. And basically, Jace's claim to fame is that he's about oh, 19 or 20-year-old boy now, living in, uh, in, the, in the U.S. And he's been very, very committed to model flying uh, and still is. Uh, it's, it's almost like his full-time job now is aero modeling. He's won all major events, XFC and uh, Tucson Shootout and you, know, you name it. He, he's won all the aerobatic events pretty much that he's tried to that he's entered in uh he is a sought after demo pilot to, to go to events so you know he, he went to china he's been to dubai brazil throughout the us uh he's sponsored by many people he works very very closely with extreme flight one of their you know i call him the chief test pilot you know they give him a, a prototype and he has to see if he can break it and he provides a lot of feedback as does his dad. His dad works very closely with him as far as building model, model planes, stuff like that. So as a team, they're awesome. Really good for their sponsors, Extreme Flight, also sponsored by Horizon Hobby. So this guy, is an absolute nut of gun. If you've never seen him, go and have a look online on YouTube at Jay Seducia and uh, you'll see how good he actually is. I, I, he's really brought in this more aggressive style of flying. I think he, the way that I view it is that he took what we do on a simulator where we're fancy free and took that to the flying field and took the, uh, the aerobatic flight to a, a new high. So please enjoy this great interview with my friend, the great man, Jace the Ace Ducia. Jace the Ace Ducia, thanks for joining us here on the Flat Out RC podcast.
1: Thank you, Andrew. Glad to be here.
0: Well, I, as I said to you earlier, you have been one of the most requested guests. And, um, I, I said to everybody, I wanted to get a few episodes under my belt before I got to the, to the heavy hitters and, and you're one of the heavy hitters in the hobby. You are, I consider you to be the best freestyle aerobatic pilot in the world. And I know you're a humble guy and you will go, ah, nah. but I think you are. So anyway, if I, I say appreciate
1: it, if I
0: say it is, it is anyway. Let's start at the start um, of your aero modeling. How did your journey in aero modeling begin?
1: Um, well, I mean, ever since I remember, uh, I kind of saw the RC planes around the house uh, because my dad was into it. And I kind of went out to the field with him and watched him fly a little bit. And I thought it was pretty cool. And we went to a few lo- local events and had a good time seeing all the different airplanes. and meeting everyone and I got to a certain age I was like five or six years old uh, where my dad talked to me and he said you know if you want to try this out then uh, maybe we can go get you a a foam airplane and and uh, see how you do and uh, so we got to the hobby shop to pick up an airplane and uh, that's where I first saw my first flight simulator and I thought that was pretty cool too and uh, so they my dad and my mom and dad ended up purchasing me a flight simulator for my birthday the next year. And I uh, just kind of spent a lot of time on that. And then eventually, I started flying that airplane that we bought at the hobby shop. And uh, just kind of went from there, took it out to the field. Uh, my dad and I would pass the transmitter on the airplane. And eventually, I got comfortable enough to where I can land it by myself. So, but you,
0: so your dad was already into it. And, uh, yeah. But you then... Did you did did it come naturally to you, or did you have to work really hard in those you know to get started?
1: Um, it wasn't 100 percent natural. Um, I spent a lot of time at on it, but I wouldn't say I really worked hard on it. It was just something that I wanted to do. You know, you know, during the day, just get on the flight simulator and mess around. And I kind of slowly started to pick up uh, maneuvers and that sort of thing, and learn techniques on flying. Uh, so I spent, definitely spent a lot of time on it and uh, I guess you could say I, I worked hard on it, but it didn't really feel like hard work. It just felt like, I don't know, pure enjoyment, I guess. Yeah. Having fun.
0: <laughs> I find it sometimes, yeah, exactly. with, sometimes young guys and girls, they're, you know, it, you know, those guys and girls that go and play computer games a lot. If they put oh, yeah. that energy into say a flight simulator, imagine how good that'd yeah. be. So it's just a matter of where you spend your time really. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's pretty much how I was, you know. I, um, instead of you know doing some of the other video games, I'd I'd be on real flight, so, um, I can relate there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, yeah. aerobatics has become your thing. Was that always? Was it something that your dad was into that got passed down to you, or what sparked your fascination with aerobatics?
1: Um, my dad had a few aerobatic airplanes, and he did a little bit. Um we really got into 3d um, from watching YouTube videos and going to watch the XFC as a spectator too. So uh, those two things kind of what got me into 3d and, and uh, after I went and watched the XFC and learned some of the names of these really good 3d pilots, I'd go home and search them up on YouTube and uh, learn about their airplanes and, and try to mimic what they did on the flight simulator. So that's kind of what got me into 3D, but before that, it was just, uh, I mean, we'd go to a local event, see a guy do some aerobatics, and it'd be kind of cool, but um, really, I'd say, like I said, what got me into 3D was probably going to watch the XFC.
0: It's interesting. Uh, you know, when, you, when, I, when you do a podcast, you interview a lot of people, especially those that have become quite accomplished at flying. There's always an experience that sparks this pathway. You know, I, I had an experience... Yeah. What really got me into aerobatics was the great man, Ido Segev and seeing him for the first time, the first real gun pilot that I saw fly and we all just stopped. And at the end of his flight, we went, oh, I just said to myself, I want to do that. Who were yeah, some of the pilots sure. back then that you really looked up to?
1: Um, I mean, Ido was one of them. I remember uh, XFC 2009. Uh, I saw him fly for the first time and got to chat with him a little bit. So he was one of them for sure. Um, then some other guys that were there like Andrew Jesky and Jason Knoll. Uh, they're always at XFC and, uh, Mark Leesburg, you know, some of the big name guys that we got to see at XFC. So there's a lot of them and it was cool to pick up and realize some of the different flying styles they had too.
0: Yeah. So you see these guys flying, you're probably eight or nine at this stage, weren't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think, uh, first XFC we went to, I was eight years old.
0: Yeah. And then you, so you go home, you're all inspired. Great thing. You're growing up in an era of the internet where you've got something like YouTube that um right. I remember Ido telling me stories back when he was a young kid in Israel, that there were no influences in the, and the He was, he would go to forums and the internet was his only connection with the rest of the world to learn how to do these maneuvers kind of thing. But now it comes sort of a lot easier to us. So you'd go home, you'd watch these YouTube videos and then what would you do? Would you get on the simulator to try to copy some of their moves? <coughs>
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I get on the simulator and, like, if they had a freestyle routine at XFC, I'd try to, you know, fly the whole thing. You know, have their music playing and try to practice their routine, that sort of thing. But one cool thing about real flight is they have a flight instructor um, option on real flight, and uh, some of those exact pilots, they had some videos. Uh, preset on real flight showing their stick movements and some of the maneuvers and everything and they talk through it so uh, i'd watch that and uh, um, i mean it helped a little bit you know you could see the stick input so you could see uh, basically a starting point and then from there you know you could pick up on the timing
0: and so you how much this was all this practice was mainly done on the simulator or were you going out to the field as well and uh learning the tricks
1: Definitely we'd uh, go out to the field and I'd try some stuff up high, but everything was learned first on the simulator. Um, I mean, when we'd go out to the field, uh, it was basically, you know, one step at a time. So um, I'd learn a couple maneuvers on the simulator, then go out to the field and try it the next time. Um, You know, just went up high and tried some stuff, but mostly on the flight simulator for sure. I wouldn't, um, see something on a youtube video for example and uh go out to the field and try it for the first time without trying it on the flight simulator first
0: yeah okay and uh yeah. and what kind of planes were you flying back then what size were they um
1: my first actual aerobatic plane was an Aeroworks Yak 54 uh 50 cc and uh i flew that um i was eight or nine years old flew that around and uh and then um, My dad and I had an Airworks 35% extra extra 260 uh, with a DA-100, and I flew that in IMAC a little bit. And IMAC helped um, learn how to execute the maneuvers and tie some maneuvers in and uh, how to uh, make everything present well. And so I flew that plane in IMAC. Uh, But those two planes are really uh, my first two uh, aerobatic planes. And uh, we also had an Extreme Flight Yacht. 110 inch and uh, that was the first plane i actually started playing around with 3d down low and everything besides the foamy um so really those three planes besides foamies, have were uh, really big influences uh, when i first started flight aerobatics besides the flight simulator
0: yeah now just want to talk about imac because you said you met, you, you you flew imac Mm-hmm. When when did you decide to, you know, what drove you to, to, to have a go at IMAC and get involved in that sort of scene for a while?
1: Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we just talked to a few people at events and uh, told them, you know, it'd be cool to um, get into some competition, you know, whether it be freestyle or precision. I just, you know, wanted to try some uh, some competing and they recommended IMAC. Because it's pretty much open to everyone. Uh, the basic class, um, I think, back then, pretty much any airplane was allowed. It might still be the same today. Um, so pretty much open to everyone, like I said. And the maneuvers are fairly simple, but at the same time, um, you know, there's really good pilots. And even in basic, you run into some contests that execute them really good. And and uh, everyone was really helpful. I remember it. first imac contest you know i'd make a contest flight and i'd get um some pointers from some some people afterwards but um you know i think one thing too is even doing some research on some of those xfc pilots that i saw um a lot of them had an imac background so i kind of got an influence from from reading about that too you talked about getting onto youtube seeing these maneuvers
0: And what I find is when it comes to aerobatics, we grab one singular maneuver and we learn that. And we do a blender. But then trying to put it into a sequence so that your flight flows is the next challenge. Right. How did you make that transition from learning that individual maneuver, how to do a torque roll, and then putting that into a sequence? Was it a short period of time, long period of time, or something that you really worked on?
1: um I think that's kind of a kind of something that is always going to continue to to grow I guess you'd say I'm still working on it you know I learned a new maneuver today or or um you know a new maneuver and a couple new maneuvers and uh fly them over and over again it's just something that it's always going on I guess but um you know like I said earlier the the Practicing some other people's routines, I think, kind of helped with that a little bit because after doing it a few times, you could feel how they would transition in between maneuvers, and uh, you know, it's kind of a lot of lot to do with muscle memory too. So, uh, you do one maneuver, and it'll kind of relate back to what you did after that maneuver, like maybe the last flight or something like that. Maybe you'll you'll tie two maneuvers together in the same um, same order two flights in a row or something like that. But, uh, I think that's, that's one thing that's one of the more challenging parts of any flying really and 3d flying and extreme aerobatics. Um, and it's a never ending learning process with that. And of course, like I said, as new maneuvers start to come out, um, the more you learn about how to tie everything together as well. So, uh, I think that's something that, um, I mean, who knows if it'll ever be perfect, you know, you try to get a perfect flight with everything tied together, but uh, that's one of those things that you're just always working on for sure.
0: When it comes to uh, putting together some of your routines, say for competition purposes, uh, it, what is your process to develop your sequence?
1: Um, you know, I've had some routines that uh, come together in some different ways. Um you know, it's always always good to have a initial starting idea, whether it be, uh, you know, I really want to do this maneuver in there somewhere, or start out with this maneuver, or something like that. Or um, one thing that really helps is uh, just having this this song that you've been messing around with, and it just really clicks for you. And uh, so you start with that. You pick out a part in that song, and Uh, You start with that. and might be like 30 seconds long or something like that. And then you can just build off that. Um, But I do all of my freestyles. I usually put them together on the flight simulator first um, before trying it with the real plane. Um, It's not going to be exact. The timing is usually a little bit different. Sometimes they're pretty close and sometimes it'll take a full day at the field to adjust and change the routine up a little bit. But um, one cool thing about freestyle is even when you're putting together your own routine, you you really don't know what to expect or don't really know how it's going to turn out until you get everything put together with the music and everything. So it's kind of cool that way, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, the So you, you progressed from IMAC and you started to really be known in that freestyle aerobatics uh, competition scene. Was the competition side of things something that you you really focused on back then
1: um i mean for me the even doing some some basic imac stuff i'd um i'd really practice quite a bit but when we go and watch the xfc i never really thought you know this is this is really my goal you know it's one of those things that just kind of gradually transitioned into it um they had a contest back when I was 10 and 11 years old called the King 50 and it was for 50 CC size planes, a freestyle competition. And that was my first actual freestyle contest outside the freestyles that they held at IMAC contests. And so the King 50 kind of helped a little bit. And uh, I learned a lot competing in that because even though it was for newer pilots, there were some really good uh, pilots that would participate in that too. So of course, I learned a lot competing with them. And I basically got into that contest just to try it out for fun. And uh, and then I did it the year after that, and the year after that, and uh, so on. And then at one point, you know, people started saying, Oh, you know, you're going to do XFC next year. And I thought, Well, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. But <laughs> uh, I eventually did XFC. And uh, I mean, ever since then, it's been something I've been hooked on.
0: <laughs> yeah xfc and, and you've won everything pretty much now and uh xfc's not on this year is it
1: no uh unfortunately um there's not really any freestyle competitions going on uh they were we gonna have one at, at clover creek but um unfortunately that one got cancelled uh, for the same reason as everything else so um hopefully there'll be a few next year um so looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, no, it's been it's been one of those years. Events are just cancelled. We just want 2020 wiped out. If we can do that, <laughs> I think things will be great. Because uh, same here in Australia, there are hardly any flying events. There's some happening. There's a jet event happening this weekend up in uh, up in the northern part of Australia, which is pretty much COVID controlled. But uh, yeah, all the a lot of the major events, the IMAC events, the IMAC National Championships, have been cancelled. So disappointing yeah. times but anyway we'll call it a practice year jace it gives you plenty yeah, time to go. get out there and uh and practice
1: <laughs> So yeah it, you know it's it's been cool to do some other things to get to hang out at home a little bit and uh you know check some stuff out you know discover some stuff in my home state that i didn't previously know <laughs> that were here so <laughs> well that's
0: actually an interesting point is that you've You've spent a lot of time flying model airplanes, and like anybody that becomes very accomplished at their, 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 um, you know, an accomplished pilot or a, a skilled at any sort of task, you have to put in the time. Mm-hmm. How much time have you put in over the years? Do you think to get to where you are now?
1: You know, it's interesting because this year is kind of putting it in perspective because. Um, even though I still spend a lot of time on the flight simulator, simulator and everything, uh, this summer's kind of put it in perspective of just how much I've actually been traveling and and uh, going to different places to fly. <clears throat> um, but man, that's that's a tough question. Uh, several hours on the simulator. Uh, I think we calculated that a couple of years ago, but I don't really remember the numbers. But it's a lot this, of time. Quite though, a bit. Jace. Yeah. It's a lot of time,
0: isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's for it's true sure. uh, you and I are in China together, and we ran you know we had q and a sessions and and every year at events when they run q and a sessions with with pilots at the standard that you're at, people are looking for that uh one thing that made you great, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that the answer is that I keep on getting from everybody it was just time you had to put the time into it that yeah do you for sure. think do, do you think there are any shortcuts to to get to 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 your level?
1: No, I, there's definitely uh, not really any shortcuts. Um, I mean, there's some definitely some tools out there to help speed up the process, um, and I think with as the technology advances, uh, helps out a little bit. But I mean, if you really enjoy flying and it's something you really want to do, it's just uh, you know you just can't go without it. I guess so. Uh, I mean, it makes it, uh, it doesn't really take back on the t- on a time spent, but um, as long as it's enjoyable, it's definitely worth it.
0: And that—that's the tricky thing because when you keep on doing the same thing over and over again, it, it, most people will get bored. You know, if you're out at the field practicing four-point rolls and all you do all day is four-point rolls, most of us will start to nod off. When when it came to practicing and repeating maneuvers, were you you know were you always motivated to keep on mastering that, or would you? experience times of boredom as well during those those learning phases Um,
1: for the most part uh i mean even now like i'll be out practicing freestyle and trying to work on something it's always been i don't know i wouldn't really say i've gotten bored honestly um in one thing i've always thought of like especially when it comes to practicing a freestyle routine like you'll spend nine or ten eleven hours out at the flying field and you'll get tired and exhausted and everything but if you think about it, if it comes to the end of the day after flying all day at the field, and you're nailing your freestyle routine, just imagine how good it's going to be during the contest when you're all refreshed and it's the first flight of the day and everything. So um, that's always something I've kind of thought about, um, but fortunately, I really haven't had to really dig deep to try to stay motivated with practice uh, because it's just a lot of fun.
0: You, you told me something when we were in China, you said that you often fly smaller aircraft because it's a little bit harder to, to do some of the maneuvers. You got to be a bit more precise. And when you get to the larger scale planes, it becomes a bit easier. Yeah. Do you still do that? Are you still flying, you know, the 60 inch size planes and those kind of things as part of your practice regime?
1: Yeah, for sure. The, the smaller planes, like the 60 inch and forty eights and foamies too. Um, they're all really aggressive. Um, and uh you know they'll roll faster and snap quicker and um they're really quick and aggressive a little more than like a 35 percent, 120 cc plane so uh if you make a really good precise flight with a smaller electric plane chances are it'll be pretty easy with a with a 35 or or 40 percent um of course the the energy of the airplane is going to feel a little bit different but um for a lot of the XA stuff and uh, precision stuff, uh, the, the smaller airplanes really help uh, because they are they get pumped around by the wind a little more too. So uh, if you can learn to cope with the wind on a smaller airplane, um, that really helps with the bigger stuff too.
0: Yeah. Now we'll get to some more flying tips later. We'll just diverge now into sort of a, a, another area, which what... Even though you, you took inspiration from other aerobatic pilots, I see you as sort of at the forefront of a new modern way of flying, which could be described as being more aggressive. So uh, everything is done lower, faster. Generally, the speed is, is a little bit on the, on the faster side. And that's become your own, uh, your own sort of style. How did that come about? Was it a conscious effort to to you know bring more rifle rolling in, bring a bit more aggressiveness into the flying, or did it just ha- happen organically?
1: Um, you know, it's it's just something I think uh, originally I just kind of when uh, I put together a freestyle or do like a, I mean, just normal flying, I guess, um, tried to incorporate incorporate flight styles of few different pilots, you know, that I've looked up to. So, uh, once I started doing that, I eventually grew into my own style and started coming up with a couple of my own maneuvers. Um, and, uh, everything just kind of came together and it's still evolving, you know, watch, you know, even today I'll watch some people fly and, um, try to, uh, not really copy it, but just kind of uh incorporate some of the stuff try it out you know uh change it up a little bit if i have an idea here and there but uh it's just you know kind of an evolution thing uh it just kind of came about uh nothing was really uh set in stone on one maneuver but i've definitely done some stuff and said oh that was pretty cool maybe i should do that more often and and then it'll pick up you know start seeing other people do it that sort of thing
0: oh you will (laughs) Well, when we were in China, I kept on saying to you, this is all your fault, Jace. Everyone wants to be like you, and everyone's learning how to rifle roll all over the place. And, and that, <laughs> there was this young guy there in China who's probably 12 or 13, 13 or 14 now, actually, and he's just the rifle roll master. But I, one thing that I, I think is, is interesting in seeing you fly live is there's this misconception that all you do is fly fast. And I don't think that's the, the case at all. And, and when I spoke to some people back here in Australia after, after seeing you live fly, do you try to, you know, of course you've got some fast sequences within your routines, but are you, do you make a conscious effort to have that light and shade in your flight with the faster and the slower sort of aspects to flight?
1: Uh Yeah, I try to uh, mix it up a little bit, you know, try to get a close to 50 50 as far as the flight envelope goes. Um, but, you know, there's some, there's a crowd out there that really likes the fast and low stuff. And then uh, there's the crowd out there that likes the low and slow. So um, I try to mix it up a little bit in every flight and demo flights and freestyle and freestyle. It's definitely needed um, for sure in order to place well and score well. Um, but for demo flights, I try to do the same thing too because it, it helps out the, the product too. You know, when, someone goes and wants to buy a 3d plane they'll want to make sure that that it'll do uh all types of flying so it helps in demos too but um and even when i try to come up with a new maneuver um i'll try to uh, incorporate newer stuff that's in different uh flight envelopes
0: yeah i think that I really think that you do mix it up a lot. And I've got a lot of video footage of you, the full flights and the full demo flights. But I think there's two things that make you fly fast. One is the metal music that you're always playing. that That's just <laughs> forcing you to fly fast. And secondly, it's almost <laughs> like, I think out of anybody that I've seen freestyle, you've grabbed the way in which we fly on a simulator. Because again, a simulator is that carefree kind of environment where you try anything out of anybody that I've seen fly, you've managed to grab that style of flying and what we'd muck around on the simulator and bring that to the real life. And you know, often we do fly more aggressively on the simulator because we've got nothing to lose kind of thing. Do you think that that is true <laughs> to a certain extent?
1: Yeah. And you know, what's cool is, I mean, nowadays, the difference between the planes on the simulator and the planes in real life are, you know, the gaps closing quick. And, uh, and so it's pretty cool. You'll have a, you know, 120 cc plane that flies super light, ton of tail authority, so you can do that kind of thing. And uh, I mean, you know, just spend a lot of time on the flight simulator and going out to the field. It, it's hard to spend all that time in the flight simulator and and then change up the style for when you're actually flying at the field. So, if if you have an airplane that's capable, it's just kind of you know why not just fly it like a sim plane?
0: Fly like <laughs> you stole it, basically. Speaking yeah. <laughs> of the sim planes. I have got your uh edit for real flight the extra 330 the V2 yep. I think it is. Uh, how similar do, is that plane flying on the simulator to your, say your real extra?
1: Um for as far as my setup goes it it's pretty close for a flight simulator plane. Uh some guys who are really good pilots don't really prefer it. Uh it's mostly a setup thing but for my setup it's about as close as i could get for a simulator there's a few things that um few small things that are completely different and then there's some things that are pretty darn close to exact so um, i'm pretty happy with it i've been flying that airplane for a few years now on the simulator and still trying new edits and stuff and really haven't found anything that um i've consistently swapped over to aside from this extra edit on real flight but um yeah, it's pretty close. It it helps with freestyles. Uh the physics for that is is pretty close as far as timing with the music. But um, you know, the more you fly it versus the more I'll fly the uh the real plane out of the field, uh, the more I'll know the differences. So when I'm flying it on the simulator, I'll take in take that into account. Um, but if I know the similarities, then I'll I'll practice that more and uh, um, I'll take that into account uh, when putting together a freestyle too.
0: Yeah, I've noticed I've got that edit and I fly it a fair bit. And uh, the the rudder authority, the elevator authority is just crazy. Your roll rate is absolutely phenomenal on it. Uh, but I, there's one thing I, I've, I struggle with with a lot of um, planes on the simulator. They don't transition into spins very well or snap very well. But that edit does right. a lot of those things, like you know, getting into a, a, a knife edge spin. It sort of happens very naturally kind of thing versus some of the other the other planes that uh, i fly so it is you know jump onto the knife edge swap pages and look for it's the the jace extra i think the v2 um uh version download that yeah you can...
1: something like that i think it's 120 cc extra it's called something like that um but yeah you know it, a lot of it has to do with uh you know i, I can't i'm not sure exactly who did but Um, you know, it's a, it's an edit from a original post on knife edge swap pages. So, uh, you know, whoever put the original edit in there did a, did a pretty good job with, uh, giving a a base starting point on it for sure. Uh, because some planes I'll go on, I'll try to make an edit off of, and just can't quite get it right. But this one, this one was pretty good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about now real planes. Uh, what we love the most and <laughs> you, you, you've got a lot of sponsors um and you work very closely with the extreme flight team who look let's be honest they're leaders when it comes to bolsa aerobatic uh, planes out there uh how did how did that relationship come about
1: um you know i, m- I met chris uh before i was uh, on team extreme and uh hung out with him at a couple events, uh, like XFC and, and, uh, he let me fly some of his new airplanes before I was on the team that, um, that were coming out as prototypes and everything. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I was big extreme flight fan back then as I am today. And, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, eventually he thought, you know, um, be a good idea to you know, have me on, on board of the Team Extreme with, with the, all the other great, great pilots on Team Extreme. And, uh, you know, that was that was definitely something I thought was pretty cool. And even that alone gave me uh, a lot of motivation to continue to practice for events and contests, you know, after, after I got put on the team. So um, from there, just kind of went to, uh, you know, we'd hang out at events, uh, you know, at freestyle contests too. And, uh, you know, Chris would be there and he'd, he'd see the contest flights and, you know, we'd, we talk about the setups and about the airplanes and, and, uh, talk about some of the competitors' planes and setups and, uh, kind of grew into, uh, evolving into some ideas on different planes. And, uh, so as the newer airplanes ca- came out, it was kind of a product of, of, uh, those ideas and, uh, just kind of continues to grow. and um, you know, that that China trip was was pretty cool. Going over there and uh, seeing the factory and uh, meeting the engineers and and everyone that that helps make it happen over there, and um, you know, being able to have them watch some of the flying and see some of the maneuvers that you know we've been communicating with just via email. Um, now seeing it in person, face to face, and being able to communicate then that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool to work with uh, Chris and Ben on on these airplanes. Um, they're always open to some ideas, and uh, um, yeah, working to the factory too is is pretty awesome. So you're doing a lot of
0: the the so you're providing input into the designs, but you're also testing the prototypes as well, aren't you?
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's been some some prototypes that uh, we've had up here in Michigan and. Flown at our uh, uh, private field close to our house, and um, we'll give inputs on that and uh, talk to the factory about some of the construction ideas. You know, as as the design changes uh, for each airplane, the the way they handle forces will change too. You can't just have two 120 cc planes of the exact same uh, construction. You can have the same technique, but the exact same construction in two different designs doesn't always work. Uh, because they'll fly different and they'll handle forces different. So, you know, with, with every new plane, there, there always has to be a prototype that tests and uh, construction changes. Um, and the, you know, the equipment placement inside the fuse changes a little bit for CG, that sort of thing. So uh, the testing helps out with that. And, um, you know, there's, it's all about a process of making it comfortable for, for the customer to, to get their airplane with, you know as it being something new but at the same time something that they're um, uh, used to and familiar with um, kind of big process with that is is all about what the prototyping is yeah
0: and when it comes to an aircraft uh, you know an aerobatic aircraft what are you looking for in that that airframe you know things such as power roll rate slow flying ability what 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 is it that you personally look for
1: Um, I mean, for me personally, I'm always, uh, focused on from a, uh, competition standpoint, you know, what, what the judges would like to see, um, in a freestyle contest. Um, so I kind of, I keep an open mind because when you fly an airplane for the first time, you don't know what exactly it's, uh, strengths are going to be as far as it's, uh, flying goes. So I kind of keep an open mind. If I'll do something, I think, wow, that's pretty cool. Didn't really, wasn't really expecting that. Um, and if it lacks in one area, um, you know, I'll kind of play around with it for a couple more flights to see if maybe it, maybe it's, um, just has to enter a certain maneuver a different way. If it's not doing something I like, if it's lacking in that area. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there's always, you know, we want the fast roll rate. Like you said, you want, want it to track. Well, uh, want it to snap clean and, uh, you know, float well in 3d have a light wing loading, that sort of thing. Um, so the same basic ideas are similar across the board, but, uh, what I was trying to say is, you know, you just want to keep an open mind with everything because, uh, there could be something new with, with that airplane that, um, that'll set it apart as well.
0: Yeah. And that, well, you've got a, a big fleet of airplanes to choose from. Uh, are there any that are your, your, your favorites that you, you know, if you had the choice would be your go-to plane?
1: Uh, you know, it, it really depends, um, for just a fun fly or or fly in or demo flight or something like that. I, I'm pretty comfortable with flying, you know, every, every airplane that, that we have at the moment, um. But I get a little more picky when it comes to the freestyle stuff, uh, especially, um, you know, when you have a, a newer freestyle. Uh, you can have one plane that that flew an older routine, awesome, and then you put together a new routine and maybe a different plane will fly this new routine a little better than the other one. So um, it all depends for freestyle. It all depends on really the freestyle routine um, that I put together. Uh, because you never really know there. You want everything to transition well and and handle well and and not look rushed. Um, But I mean, aside from competition flying, you know, it's really hard because the past five years, every design has been focused on, you know, making it um, a good all around design, but at the same time, something different from the other ones. So, um, you know, they all excel in different areas. So, try to take a couple or few out to the field and and just swap in between them.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you make every plane look great. It doesn't matter. You could grab the worst plane ever and, uh, you know, it, it will become the best in the world. Now, let's just <laughs> go through your plane setup. Let's take 100cc a 100cc size plane and just give, give the audience a bit of an understanding as to what the gear is that you're running and how you set things up. So let's start. We know, we'll assume that it's an extreme flight plane because uh, – they all are pretty much. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with the front end motor. Well actually, yeah, let's start with motor then we'll get to Pops. So motors that oh, you okay. running?
1: Yeah, we uh for all the gas planes uh we're running Desert Aircraft engines. Uh we've been running those ever since been flying uh giant scale, so always reliable and uh um make really good power and and still happy with them, so um still flying DA and still planning on flying DA for sure. And then props. What size prop are you running? Uh I really like the, the Falcon props. Uh they have really good design. Uh it's really hard to find another brand prop out there that competes with it, honestly. Um really haven't um seen anything that can. So definitely sticking with the Falcon props. Um for the uh 120cc size planes. Uh, currently I really like the 28 by nine and a half. And then, um, you know, for the 40 percenters, uh, my big laser with a 200, it has a 31 by 12 and then the, the DA 215, uh, that I have, that spins a little bigger prop, uh, 33 to 34 inch prop. So, um, you know, Falcon has a lot of different sizes uh, I've flown some some 20-inch props on 35cc planes and 24-inch Falcons on uh, planes of the DA-70 and 60, so uh, they even have uh, electric props for the 60-inch and 48 stuff, so um, yeah, big, big wide range of props, and uh, all sizes are working really good.
0: And what are you looking for when in your prop selection, in between sort of that that torque versus say speed? Why are you choosing say that twenty eight by nine and a half for your hundred Um, This twenty
1: eight by nine five I've been running the past couple of years on the thirty five percent planes, and uh the prop before that I used to run a lot was a twenty seven eleven, and the twenty seven eleven is still a great prop. um the 28.95. I just, I just feel like you can control the speed a little better with the 28.95 and the plane slows down a little better in a downline. Um, 27.11 is super fast. And, uh, I mean, with the planes out there today, um, with the 28.95, they're definitely plenty aggressive with that prop. You don't need something, uh, any faster for sure. So, um, considering how aggressive the planes are already, I'm, I'd i say I'd prefer the, the uh, better speed control and uh, the downline speed control for sure. And uh, throttle response seems to be a little more consistent with the 2895. But I mean, it's all really close, um, really close stuff between the two props. It's, you, you, it's one of those things you got to put a lot of flights in, in order to tell the differences, because um, you can switch between the two props and sometimes it'll be hard to notice. So, um, but overall, I've really liked the 2895. And I just remembered really the, one of the big things that helped me switch to that prop was, um, flying in areas with, um, uh, higher density altitude, um, gave, you know, because you want the, the better vertical feel, but you don't really get that in, in high density altitude locations. And, the 2895 kind of um, had better better vertical and um, better exit than the 2711 in some of those locations.
0: Yeah, okay, <clears throat> that's a really good description. Are you running canisters or just uh, standard dump mufflers?
1: Uh, the DA120 uh, have stock mufflers uh, from DA. Um, you know, they have really good... Uh, Throttle response, the power is really good. I've flown some DA-120s with RE2s. That's another good option, really, really fast and a lot of power. Overall with the 120 though, I prefer the stock mufflers just cause the all around throttle response. And uh, I think it's a little easier to set up smoke with the stock muffler than uh, on a tune pipe. Um, I do have cans on um, the DA-215 some MTW cans and that's a really good setup. Um, but I think at the moment all the other planes I have are on stock mufflers.
0: And, uh, what smoke pump are you using?
1: Uh, holy smokes. Uh, it's really good smoke pump. Uh, really the first smoke pump that, um, you know, it's been really reliable as far as the timing goes from being on and off. We're at the point now to where I'm flying a freestyle contest and I, I can actually count on the smoke coming on and off where I want it, you know, with the maneuvers and the music and everything. Um, but I did just remember back to the exhaust. Uh, I do have some MTW RE3s, some tune pipes on one of my airplanes that I have, the uh, big 114 Slick with the DA 170. So the 170 on tune pipes is possibly a better option than. 170 n on stock mufflers for um, for some of the bigger 40% planes I've noticed. So that's that's one setup that personally I'd prefer the um, tune pipes over the stock mufflers.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Now, servos, what are you using? Uh,
1: yeah, for the past five years now I think we've been running MKS. Um, there's a new servo that came out last year, the 3850 that's been uh, doing pretty good um, worked with Thomas Cook on that one, uh, from MKS and, uh, <clears throat> been flying it on my 35%, 120 CC planes and some 40 percenters for the past year and working really good. Uh, I think they're close to, close to 800 ounces of torque, um, at 8.4. Um, and so with the, Spectrum power safe receiver that I use, it's, it's a really good setup, um, <clears throat> and it gets the full voltage out of the servos, um, and the torque seems to be holding up pretty good. I really um, haven't really felt much blowback. Um, you know, it's funny, the, the 380s that I flew before, you know, I still have some planes with them on it, but but even the difference between the 380 and the 3850 um sometimes at full throttle you can notice it a little bit but the 3850s are holding up really good um i even still have some 380s and one of my 104 extras that have been around for three years without swapping them out or changing gears or anything and and uh same thing with the 380s for the past or 3850s rather for the for the past year and, and the planes that i've run those in
0: so they've been really reliable and uh,
1: they're lasting well yeah. Yeah. So far, uh, for pretty fortunate that, um, don't have to worry about servo problems. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's a big one because i remember Edo's Edo Ito used to always tell me about how he'd wear out servos and he was working with Jr. And they, he, he, he worked with them to modify a servo to his specification that lasted a lot longer, but back then the technology wasn't as good and he had to actually minimize his flight. So he didn't wear out his servos cause he couldn't afford to keep on replacing servos all the time. But, uh, but now, yeah, the technology's improved a lot, and uh, MKS aren't the cheapest servo, but as you said, they're lasting and they perform. So if you want to, if you want a great flying plane, he used to always say to me, the servos are the most important part of the aircraft because it's the only connection between you and the plane. And he couldn't understand yeah. people are go and put bad servos in a plane that didn't perform well or whatever. He's go, Why would you do that, and ruin the good airframe by having bad servos?
1: Now right. you mentioned yeah. um
0: you mentioned PowerSafe uh, receivers. Um, you fly Spectrum. Uh, sponsored by Horizon Hobby. What were you? What were you flying before Spectrum? Have you always been on Spectrum, or were there other brands that you flew as well?
1: Um, back when I was, you know, just learning to fly RC, and um, back when I first started getting into aerobatics, I was flying Spectrum. I actually uh, was flying Spectrum and Futaba at the same time. You know, some planes were on Spectrum, some were on Futaba. So um, I've been flying Spectrum for a long time. Uh, went exclusive to Spectrum probably eight or nine years ago when uh, DSMX came out uh, and the DX-18 came out. Um, That was when I switched everything to Spectrum and um, I really like the the feel of the radio. For me, I think that's personally one of the first things I look for when I pick a radio is just the feel of it, you know, Uh, because you don't really want to, I mean, the setup and features of radio can be great, but nowadays, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of these radio brands, you know, I mean, they're all reliable setup and uh, have good setup options. But, you know, for me, I, I really want something that, that feels really good. And uh, I I think in my opinion, the spectrum setup is pretty simple compared to some other ones out there too. So that's another thing for sure. And what, What radio model are you currently using Uh, i'm using the uh, ix20 um the the new android touch screen uh, 20 channel from spectrum and i still use the dx22 for uh, some of the planes but uh, those two radios are are the ones that i'm currently using how are you finding the new ix20 with the
0: android uh you know
1: it's 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 pretty cool you know the the setup is uh and the menus and everything are pretty close to the dx20 so not really a big uh learning curve between the two radios but but you know it's really cool uh what they can do with that um you know even between the ix12 and the ix20 they've sped up the the booting process you know on and off quite a bit um and uh yeah i really like the feel of it uh they they give you a couple different uh stick length options and uh i actually switched from the uh um the stick length that that i got my radio when i got it just for personal feel and so it was pretty cool that they had that option um because it made the feel of the radio for me a lot better Are you going long or short sticks uh from the uh see the DX20 uh, I kept it uh, the way it came, uh, but with the IX-20, I, I uh, went sh- with the shorter ones. Um, I fly thumbs, so um, I, I prefer the, the shorter sticks, I think, rather than the super long ones.
0: Yeah, and of course, you fly mode two, the motor champions, as I call it. Yeah. <laughs> In Australia, there's a, there's, a, a, there's a lot of mode one pilots. It's almost like it was a historical thing. You turn up to a flying club and people say, oh, we fly mode one. You need a mode one transmitter. And uh, when I turned up with mode two to a flying club, they went, oh, well, we've got nobody that can teach you except for that guy, Dave, over there. So Dave taught, mm-hmm. Dave, well, he taught me a little bit. I learned how to fly on the sim. And Dave's a great bloke. He became a good mate and he, he was the only Mode 2 pilot. But now there's a, any of the young guys in Australia that were flying Mode 2. So I call it Mode Champions. Every champion flies Mode 2. <laughs> nice. uh, now, when it comes to receiver setups, what's interesting is that um, you, you're a big fan of the PowerSafe receivers. Uh, now, those receivers, if anyone doesn't know anything about them, it's not a regulated power supply. It's basically a, a system that allows you to run a redundant battery system with two batteries. Have four satellite receivers off that for a bit of redundancy as well. Now, so when it comes to your hundred cc size planes, you're purely just running power safe receivers, aren't you? No regulation or anything.
1: Yeah, we uh, we just run the uh, power safe receiver, and um, you know, just plug the battery right into the uh, connectors that come off the receiver. Um, two connectors, so two receiver batteries. Uh, pretty simple. Um, and, uh, you just, you know, you just want to, of course, keep an eye on your battery voltage and, you know, first time out of the field with the plane or new setup, keep an eye on the battery voltage after a few flights. And, and then you'll get an idea of of how many flights you can get, um, on your batteries and servo setup with however amount of milliamps you're running in your batteries. But, um, but fortunately, you know, I've been able to acquire quite a bit of batteries throughout the year. so. Um I kinda bring a lot of batteries out to the field that are charged and and swap them out after a couple of flights, and I never really feel a a loss in um uh voltage uh, when I'm flying. So uh, really no reason for for me personally to to run any regulation system or anything like that. What about on the uh,
0: on the the bigger size, the three meter size planes, where you're running bigger engines? Are you running uh, same setup, and power safe?
1: Yeah, uh, pretty much same setup. The only thing that's different is uh, the power safe receiver is more channels. I'm running the twenty channel in a in a forty percent rather than a uh, a twelve channel. You got a couple extra servos in a forty percenter. So, but that's about the only difference. And then of course running some bigger milliamp batteries too but rather than that it's the same uh same setup pretty much
0: and so that means you're doing all the servo syncing for you know dual aileron servos that kind of thing through the radio
1: yeah yeah yep you can go in and uh and do that with the spectrum radio
0: yeah okay so it's nice it's a nice simple method a lot of people are going to you know distribution boards and you know things like power boxes and stuff like that right but uh but it's interesting that you've gone with that power save receiver. I'm a big fan of the power save. I fly Spectrum myself, and power saves have been easy to set up, like you said. Uh, just simple, simple gear. When it comes to ignition batteries uh, or ignition setups, are you running battery or are you running an, an IBEC?
1: Yeah, I, I've I've been using the uh, the IBEC uh, for about the past year, um, and it's working pretty good. I can still, it doesn't take a lot out of the. Uh, out of the receiver as far as voltage goes so i can still get the same amount of flights as i did before when i ran a separate ignition battery um and save some weight too you know you get to get rid of an extra battery that was really the biggest reason why i switched over is to save a little bit of weight and it's noticeable too because i had the you know i'd have the ignition battery up in front of the cg a little bit so anytime you add or uh, decrease uh, mass or weight from uh, further away from the CG, it's going to be more noticeable. So, making a change of that setup was uh, made a big difference for sure in a good way.
0: When it comes to CG, you often hear people say, Oh, we need more rearward CG for uh, freestyle flight or you know, that kind of thing. But where do you like to position your CG of your planes?
1: Um, overall, I'd say uh, it's pretty neutral. Um, I mean, I, when I'm trying to find the best spot to position the batteries and everything, I'll take it up and just, you know, make some flights. Fortunately, with with the plane's design nowadays, if you put it your equipment in a reasonable spot and go up and fly it in a, uh, during your maiden for the first time, you won't really run into uh, any really threatening situations. You know, they're engineered really good to have a wide flight, envelope for different CGs. So um, it's just all a matter of of going up and trying some different things of what you want to do with that airplane to, and experimenting, moving things around. But I'd say mine is pretty neutral. I don't really like a tail heavy feeling airplane. I don't like a nose heavy feeling airplane. So uh, it's pretty neutral. There's a few I guess test you'd say that I do like an inverted 45 line test um, and inverted uh, straight and level test. But other than that, and those are really good indicators for sure, but um, you don't want to just rely off that. Of course, you want to make sure it'll do everything you want to.
0: Now you you are sponsored by a lot of different companies and uh, no doubt you get given a lot of product, but with that comes sort of some obligations that it's never a one-way street where a company gives you product and use it and go, thank you, and then just do whatever. What, For sure. Or what is your approach when it comes to, to working with sponsors?
1: Uh, you know, every everyone's a little bit different. The relationships are a little bit different, um, you know, and what they want you to do. Uh, you know, you'll, some, some companies will, will give sponsored pilots a contract to fill out and everything's pretty clear and laid out in that. And then some of them are, you know, a little more, a little more open. Um, and you know, both, both ways work pretty good depending on, um, what the dynamic is. But, um, you know, I'm always, always open to, um, you know, trying new, testing new products and. And trying new stuff, and um, open any ideas that that they'll have for me. Um, but it's you know a lot of it has to do with communication. You know if if uh, they want me to you know do something a little bit different, you know it's probably a good idea that they reach out and and suggest that. And uh, you know it's it's cool too. You know it's always good to have a good relationship where where I can give feedback on the products. And uh, any suggestions I might have, and when they're open to it, and, and want to talk about it a little bit. So, um, but you know the, you know everyone, you know wants to see you promote online. You know post videos and pictures and everything, and uh, you know that's all that's all part of being sponsored. But it's it's not really, um, you know it's not really when you see me post on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, it's not really, I feel like I'm obligated to, it's just, you know, something I like to do, but, um, but I also feel, feel good that I'm promoting their, their product that, uh, they've helped me to get to. So, and of course, you know, in normal years, uh, we will travel around as many events as possible. A couple events coming up this year, hopefully, but definitely not as much as everyone knows. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, every, every sponsor is a little bit different, but at the same time, um, you know, just make sure that I continue to promote their products and uh, keep good communication. Yeah. Uh, it will. Everybody in the
0: industry that I've spoken to that uh, sponsors you absolutely loves you. And uh, not just you, the whole family. Now, speaking of the family, you have to be honest with me, Jace. who's building your plans?
1: <laughs> Uh, You know, my dad, uh, he's, and he's been, uh, you know, obviously since we talked about this at the beginning of this interview, he's been doing RC for a long time. So, I mean, there's, there's not much that surprises him when it, when it comes to the setup. So, um, you know, he's, he's always tells me that he likes to build the airplane. So, uh, you know, he'll, he'll go out and, and work on, you know, assembling an airplane, you know, for an upcoming season or contest or something. And and uh you know, I really appreciate it but but you know, I'll go out there and and uh we'll work together on a lot of stuff but but there's some things that you know, especially for competition that um you know, I really appreciate that that he puts the time into it because you know it'll you know it'll be right and uh ready to go so uh, but yeah he's he's always been really good at that stuff.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's a good little team you got going there. The whole Ducia family does a great job. Uh now when it comes to competition, you've pretty much won everything uh, that you can uh, have a go at, it, especially in the US. What what has been your greatest win? Do you think?
1: Oh man, you know they've all been a little bit different, but um, and there's a few that uh, that have really worked. I mean, worked h- equally hard for all of them. I guess I should say that I've really, um, I don't know, thought about, you know, just trying to get to the, the top point. And there's certain contests you think about winning for, for a longer time before it actually happens. Like the Tucson shootout, for example, I've thought about, you know, trying to win that contest for a long time. And uh, so so that one was pretty awesome. You know, it was one of those things I had a I had a lot of dreams about being on top of that podium. So um for that to for that to happen was, was pretty big, but I mean all of them are, are equally um awesome and equally surreal. Um the first XFC win back in twenty fourteen, that was that was pretty crazy for sure. Um because that was it was my third year at XFC. And it seemed at that time, it seemed just like yesterday I'd started flying 3d. So, um, to be on on top of that podium was, was pretty surreal. And, uh, I mean, everyone since everyone since then has been, like I said, I've worked hard at it because I've wanted them all equally. So, um, but like I said, there's some that, um, I'll just say I've dreamed about a little more than others.
0: (laughs) when it comes to being a great aerobatic pilot how you know what how, what how would you describe a great aerobatic pilot? what are they aspiring to do when it comes to the flight
1: um i mean for me personally when when I watch someone fly and and you can tell that uh they're expressing themselves through their flying, that's kind of something pretty special you know there's not a lot of there's a lot of great pilots out there that can go up and do pretty much every maneuver imaginable, but there's only a select few that can actually uh, express their personality or, or who they are through their flying. And uh, that's kind of what has always impressed me. And uh, I think that's kind of what's kind of cool about 3D flying and, and freestyle is it gives you an opportunity to do that. So um, to see those that that are able to do that is, is pretty special.
0: One of the things I've noticed with your flying is that the execution of your manoeuvres, no matter whether it's blowing a gale like it was in China or it's dead calm? <laughs> the precision of your flying is phenomenal. That your wings will always finish level. You'll enter manoeuvres with wings level. Is, is what role does precision play in your aerobatic flight?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty big. You know, I think that's that's one of the the biggest you know back to your previous question that's one of the biggest things that I'm impressed when I see someone fly is the execution you know making everything um spot on hitting every snap every point because that's honestly that's one of the most difficult things and perfect execution you know I who knows if it's actually possible throughout a whole flight but um that's one of the most difficult things and it's something that I always try to work towards um because I know that, that most of the guys out there that have been either watching RC or flying RC for a long time, that's that's what they appreciate too. So uh, when you can get a, a good mix of good, clean flying that's also entertaining, that's, that's always a pretty good – turns out to be a pretty good flight.
0: Yeah. Now, let's get into some of those flying tips, as I mentioned a bit earlier. Uh, what are some of your tips to improving your precision?
1: Um, you know – imac helps out a lot um even if you don't compete just practice some of the imac sequences posted online that helps out a lot but other than that just um you know if you make a flight or make a flight on the simulator you know you can record it and go back and watch it or if you have someone to record your flight out of the field uh, try that because you'll pick up on stuff that you didn't realize when you were flying and uh I mean, really, honestly, the biggest thing, if you can have someone out at the field that's that knows what they're looking for, um, they can help you out there too. That's, that's pretty big. And um, so a combination of a few of those things will really help you uh, become more precise, I think.
0: Okay, good. Now, what about uh, learning new maneuvers? What are some of your tips? <clears throat>
1: um, like if you see a new maneuver that you're not, quite sure what to do I would say try to, to, to pick out some some parts in that maneuver that you are familiar with um, because it could be a new maneuver combo or or have something in the middle of it that that's a little older so try to pick up that first and and then tr- transition in the other parts of the maneuvers but for something that's completely new uh, you know it's a little more tough um, probably want to spend some more time in the simulator but, I mean quite honestly, nowadays if you can get a pretty good understanding of of the feel and the the energy of the airplane and and uh how it transitions through everything, you can see a whole new maneuver and and pretty much have an idea of uh where the inputs come in at at a certain time based on how the airplane reacts,
0: yeah, okay. Now, what about flying low? It's a fear that a lot of people have is getting their aircraft low. How do you progress from, you know, what is your process from getting from high to low?
1: Um, You know, it's gradual, gradual process. I think the biggest thing is confidence. If you know that you're not going to change how you do a maneuver, you know you're not going to panic, and you know you're going to commit when you get down low, then, then that's when you're ready to do it. Um, You don't want to try something down low that um, you're not sure how it's going to end up coming out of the backside of a certain maneuver or or a certain point of the maneuver, that sort of thing. You want to want to be able to commit all the way through and know exactly what what it's going to do and what it could potentially do um, if you miss a certain input input at a certain time. So it's it can be a gradual process, but it's all about confidence and commitment.
0: The, uh, would I be right in saying that muscle memory plays a very, very important part in flying aerobatics?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we touched on that a little bit earlier, but that's definitely a, a big part of it, um, especially in some of these faster timing maneuvers like a rifle roll or something. That's definitely important. Now, people think, sure. I'm, cra-
0: people think I'm crazy, Jace, when I say this, but <laughs> I want you to tell me, how do you build up muscle memory?
1: <laughs> oh man, that's it's a lot of time, a lot of repetition. <laughs>
0: really, because people dispute that they think that there's some little thing that you do that suddenly you know how to do something, but they don't. They don't realize how much time goes into <laughs> muscle memory. So it's it's all about the right. time, isn't it? You don't get great guys sitting there staring at the sticks.
1: Well, there, there's some repetition. really
0: there's some really good tips there, uh and and I know there's a lot of people that uh might, we might get you back at one point in time. We'll do a Q and A session. Uh, you do a few Q and a sessions on your Instagram and I like yeah. to pipe in. I like to pipe in a lot. And you generally I've got a consistent question, haven't I? And it generally, what does it generally relate to Jace? My question
1: <laughs> uh, might be paramotors sometimes. I don't Radio
0: know. control paramotors. It's the future. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Don't deny, yeah. Jace. One day you'll get into aerobatic RC paramotors. Go and have a look online.
1: Probably, I've got so one. I've surprised. got,
0: I've got a couple of wings and whatever. I haven't flown it for a year or so, but anyway. Okay. Yeah,
1: we actually uh, there was actually a guy flying around a RC paramotor at one of the last events we were at. So
0: and see, and you were yeah, excited, for, and you it, thought it, of me, and you thought, "Ah, oh, Andrew's right, it is the future."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. just just on
0: that point, like, okay, you're known as the aerobatics guy. Do you fly anything else? Are you fly gliders or scale planes or or what?
1: Um like personally that I own, not really, I don't really own anything else, but like I'll go out to the field and and someone will have something different like a scale plane or something like that. And and I'll fly it around a little bit. I used to fly some jets a little bit, um, some sport jets and a little bit of scale jets, but um, that was, you know, something a little different. Um, But as far as what I own now, it's pretty much all aerobatic and 3D stuff. Do you think that to get to the level that
0: you're at, to be a a really accomplished uh, aerobatic pilot, do you think that you can afford the time to have mixed, uh, you know, uh, planes like, you know, do you think that you can become a really, really accomplished aerobatic pilot and fly scale and jets and gliders and everything? Or do you think you need to have that very narrow focus?
1: Uh, I think, you know, it all depends on, on who you are and, and, uh, you know, what you enjoy, but there's definitely some guys out there that have flown, you know, airplanes and helis or airplanes and jets or a whole bunch of stuff at one time and been been really successful um, in one area or multiple areas. So it's definitely possible for sure, but um, probably not for everyone, I guess, but um, as long as you're enjoying it, you'll probably get, you'll probably pick up on something pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I want to move on to a very important question, Jason, something that we discussed whilst we were driving in uh China and that is inventing new maneuvers. Is it true that most of your maneuvers that you've invented start from a name? Or um
1: no For example, just, I'm still waiting a lot of it has
0: to... I'm just still waiting for the buck snore <laughs> to, to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's been some pretty creative names for sure. Um,
0: some we can't mention think, on the uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. Yeah, you're you're right. I remember that that car ride in China. And there hilarious. were some names that were thrown out there that that we were like, hmm, we need to, we've got to, well, got to put some some stuff to that name.
0: Yeah, that's right. So we're not creative enough to come up with the maneuver. So we'll come up. We're creative enough to come up with the the name of the maneuver, and then we hand it over to you and say, Jace, do something to that name. So you
1: you, you that's have pretty good because because I can't like if I'll have a new maneuver someone'll ask me the name of it and I'm like I don't really know but and then sometimes I'll just come up with something random and tell him but <laughs> well you
0: know we could if be... he can
1: if he can come up with a name for me that'd be awesome well look just send me a little video
0: of the maneuver and then I'll come back to you with a name I'll I'll consult with my my colleague Chris Hinson from Extreme Flight we are yeah. head of the naming conventions of aerobatic maneuvers yeah
1: the, he's got a lot of good ideas
0: he does well you i've seen you fly multiple times now especially in china and and on videos and those kind of things and and you are quite creative in 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 the way that you fly uh is that is it something just that happens that you're you're exploring new maneuvers or is it something that you really make a concerted effort to say okay today i'm going to invent something new um
1: it's just kind of something that um when i'm flying and messing around and uh, not really just kind of going with the flow of things during the flight not really having a plan you know every now and then something will come out of it and i'll try to remember it and then go back and do it again um but that's pretty much it uh, if i try to think you know i want to come up with a new maneuver but don't have an idea yet then it, sometimes it takes a little longer um but most of the time when I've come up with something pretty quick, it's just messing around and going with the flow and just kind of doing whatever. Cool.
0: Now this, I just thought of this question. I've just got to ask what I've got. I've got to ask you when it comes to flying aerobatics, what is the number one maneuver that you think people need to, Is you know, is the foundation of, of a lot of flight that they need to master?
1: Uh, there's a lot. And uh, to be honest with you, I kind of mentioned this before, but, Uh, Like you can look at a a basic IMAX sequence, and there's a lot of different elements of maneuvers in there, like a you know loop, single roll, or Cuban eight. You know all that, all those elements in there, hammerhead, that sort of thing. All those elements in there are all foundations for something else. So um, um, I think. There's a few different key key basic elements that uh, if you can uh, perfect and and uh, get used to, then it'll help out a lot. As far as one maneuver goes, I'm not sure if there if there really is one. There's definitely a lot of basic elements that stem off into a lot of other maneuvers, but um, you know like a slow roll is a really good one. Uh, gets the rudder to elevator timing and roll transitions and then, you know same basic idea for a rifle roll for example so that's just one example and then of course there's a lot of other ones
0: i always say that aerobatic flight is made up of uh, rolling going up going down looping and then everything is a a variation on the theme in a kind of way there's some (laughs) subtle differences but it's generally the sticks can only move certain ways uh okay (laughs) i want to move on now to the latest venture jta innovations now jace I don't know whether you've been listening to this world's greatest error modeling podcast, the flat out RC podcast. Don't forget to subscribe Jace, and tell your friends, but I've been plugging, I've been plugging your JTA Innovations planes. Now bones RC down here in Australia has become the distributor of products. Tell us a bit about JTA innovations.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, you know, doing, uh, the, being a part of the business side of the hobby is always something I've thought about doing. Um, and JTA Innovations, um, you know, of course, we're starting out with some some EPP foamies at the moment, and, uh, you know, no really big commitments to to do anything certain at this, you know, growing at this point uh, to do anything else certain at this point, but um, always keeping our, our options open. But it started off, honestly, that, that trip to China, you know, uh, getting some some connections with some factories and and uh, talking to some engineers and that sort of thing that really helped big time but uh you know it's just something i've always thought about doing and uh the epp foamies uh really uh had an interest in me of starting out to get into the business side of it and uh fortunately grown pretty good the the foamies have gotten pretty popular around the world we've got a lot of dealers and uh, the size of the foamies right now are, are also a good option for both indoor and outdoor flying. And so the, uh, the demographic isn't, is, isn't really limited uh, for an aerobatic pilot. So um, so it's going pretty good right now. We're uh, a little over a year into it. We um, started May of 2019 and uh, some new designs coming out in the FOMI world. In the future, we just released the extra JD, which is a six millimeter EPP plane as well. And, uh, really happy with that one. And of course our previous designs are still happy with too. So, and uh, always trying to improve and, and like I said, um, no really big commitments to, to grow into anything else right now, but, um, keeping our options open, just, um, Continuing, continuing to to listen to the customers and and see what they have to say as well. Yeah, excellent.
0: No doubt you'll get into RC paramotor manufacturing soon as well, <laughs> since it is the future. Now, speaking of your future in 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 this world, uh, you were studying. Uh, you're doing um, some some study online. Are you still doing that? Sort doing a, yep, a business yeah. course, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm doing um, uh, some college college work online business degree at the moment and uh, you know might do something similar uh, afterwards as far as college goes or or maybe not we'll see but um, but yeah that's been going pretty good and you know you can still travel and do that sort of thing and still do the the uh, online work uh, while we're traveling too so um, it's pretty cool Um, doesn't really take away anything from the rc stuff which is cool and uh yeah it's going pretty good
0: what else uh besides the flying uh what else are you you been up to what else are you to
1: um you know just trying to uh hang out with friends and family a little bit um you know the flying's still pretty busy with with jta innovations and and uh you know just flying and, and getting some airplanes dialed in and um you know we did start practicing a little bit for the contest at clover creek before it was canceled but um so we were doing that a little bit and got pretty busy with that but um but other than that just trying to relax a little bit trying to make some plans for some events if we can but um yeah, that's about it. Just hanging out yeah. and having fun with people.
0: It's really bad at the moment. Like, you can't make, you can't think forward. You can't plan anything because you don't know whether you're going to be able to travel anywhere. Travel, like, we can't travel to China. We can't travel to Europe. We can't travel to the US. It's, it's just, it, we're really restricted. So it's just an interesting times. So, but we can always get out to our local field. Now, you've got your own field that you fly at, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have a uh, a place that, uh, Grass Strip, that, um, that we rent out every year and that's that's really helpful it's pretty close to our house and we'll practice on that and test planes out there but there's a few local clubs around that we'll, we'll go and fly at too and, and hang out with some people um so we got a couple different options but but having the the private field really close to our house just a couple miles down the road is is really helpful
0: yeah have you been exercising a bit? Because I saw some recent photos of you. you looking really fit. <laughs> what have you been doing? Yeah. You working out with your dad sure. or something and your mom.
1: That that's one thing I, I forgot to mention a little bit. Um, you know, to your previous question. Uh they unfortunately all the, the gyms are still closed down, but um, you know, we've got some some stuff here at home, some equipment. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's a good thing to to get into a habit of, uh, to incorporate it into your lifestyle because, um, I don't know, it just makes you feel better. And, uh, you know, not only does it give you something to do, but, but it's rewarding too.
0: Well, we, we, you should have joined us in the running races we had in China with, uh, Martin <laughs> and Ido and and it, I beat them, Jace. And Martin's nice. fa- Martin's famous words as we're running, Martin Branwell, this is, as we're running down the uh, the runway in China and I beat him, he turned around to me and said, I can't believe fat people can move so quickly. And I <laughs> said to him, Martin, that's been very nice, but I still beat you. And then we did it again because he couldn't believe it that I beat him and I beat him again. Uh-huh. And But uh, yeah, he need, Martin, you need to exercise some more. He's not exercising enough. He's got a job now, Martin. So he's all grown up. So I don't know how much flying he's going to do. Nice. Okay. Now, Jace, there's a question that I always ask everybody at the end of the guest interviews, and that is what has been your favorite model?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um I don't know. I mean, you know, even though they're they're, you know, some foamies and a little smaller, the the JTA stuff is, is pretty special, you know, just something that that, an you know, an idea that, that I, you know, I had originally actually turned into something from, from, you know, not being anything at all. Uh, So that's pretty cool. You know, that's something pretty special. Um, uh, But, you know, other than that, uh, I can't really pinpoint one, you know, there's been, there's always the first few, you know, your first airplane is always pretty special, you know, but three channel cub that i learned on is pretty special and and uh my my first uh couple of extreme flight planes the yak and the edge and uh first 3d planes you know there, there's been a lot of them you know competition planes the the laser from last year uh there's some been some 104 extras that i've had the 104 mxs from xfc a few years ago there's been quite a bit
0: so you've got a lot oh, that's <laughs> it's interesting slick. You're aligning the, the model to the experience that it gave you, which I think a lot of people do that when I ask <laughs> that question. You know, like in the last <laughs> the podcast, one of the few podcasts ago, a guy said that uh, by no means is this plane that he's going to mention the best flying plane, but it was what that plane allowed him to do to go to the Scale World Champs as an example. So so right. well done. Uh, Jace, when when this corona thing, when we're over it, you have to come to Australia. You know that there's lots cool. of people. You've met a few of them. You know, Bones, you've met marius you know you've met a few different people here already so you've got lots of friends in australia come we'll look after you bring the family or leave them i don't care just bring them do whatever you want you've got to come to australia we need to see you here so the question is are you up for having some online um some doing some online sim sessions with us down here in australia I can organize that if we if you want yeah, to Yeah, for board. sure. We'll set up a time and we'll, we'll, we'll liaise, yeah. but for anybody that's a budding 3D and wants to see Jace fly on the sim, well, we'll organize some sort of sim sessions. We've got nothing else to do, so we might as well get on the sim. <laughs> Jace the Ace. That'd be really
1: cool.
0: Jace, you are an absolute not a legend. And when I mean, I don't just mean in your flying, because a lot of people look up to you for your flying, but I, I look up to you as the person, Jace the Ace, that I experienced when I was in China and the whole entire your family you are an absolute legend son and uh keep on doing what you're doing and really appreciate you joining us here on the flat out rc podcast
1: well i appreciate it andrew you know it's been a pleasure to to get to meet you a couple years ago and to uh, and you know have you as a friend ever since so i really appreciate it you're a legend jace thanks a lot <laughs> awesome thank you
0: about to leave already packed Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away
1: to a place where we don't know. Well,
0: that was a great interview with Jay's Deuce here and a big thank you to him for joining me all the way from the US. Uh, you always have to time the time differences so that we can record, and so he's very flexible and very accommodating. And uh, uh really enjoyed having him and learning more about what he's up to what he's doing and more about the man jace the ace and sharing that that uh his story with you well i think that's going to be it for for this episode because uh we had a good interview a nice length interview with jace so i'll let you get back to whatever you're doing thank you once again for joining me here on the flat out rc podcast remember to share this podcast around tell your mates about it you know if you're locked down no matter where you are whether you're in australia or around the world and you're not doing anything, but you're working on your model planes, put on the Flat RC podcast. I'm sure that you'll enjoy some of the guests that we've had over time. Another big guest coming next week uh, and more in the pipeline. So lots and lots happening. Stay busy, stay safe, stay isolated, wear a mask. Let's try to get over this coronavirus issue as best as we can. And then we'll get back to normal and uh we'll all enjoy that so thanks again for joining me don't forget subscribe to the flat out rc instagram flat out uh facebook page and youtube channel and i'll be back next week we'll do it all again thank you